afternoon and welcome to a very special interview show of the pro it's my pleasure to have dr monica ma'am on our show dr monica ma'am is a phd in international relations from south asian university and her research focuses on political economy of south asia uh, so uh, thank you very much ma'am for agreeing to this interview and welcome to the pro thank you ritwit for inviting me to your podcast i'm really happy to be here okay ma'am Ma'am, recently Indian government has banned 59 Chinese apps, and after that, 59 also like 47 Chinese apps got banned. So, how do you see this decision? Uh, well, uh, Ritwit, I've also written a number of articles on this particular issue. I think it's a great decision that Indian government has finally taken. Uh, a lot of people are connecting it with the aggression that China has shown to India in Ladakh. uh but you know i won't take a very short sighted view of this entire issue in fact if we look at it from the past many years since uh you know inter- india has become a open country and since internet has uh, become quite popular in india uh in the recent years we've seen a lot of chinese penetration in india's uh, internet market so not just uh, smartphones and uh, softwares but also you know apps mobile apps and uh, all these things that were uh, being they were popular in india So now, when uh, India one day, you know, decides to go ahead and ban 59 Chinese apps, and all of them were like really popular. So uh, you look at how TikTok has been banned, or WeChat has been banned, and even uh, more. Uh, yeah. So share it also, and Beauty Plus, and all these apps, you know, that yeah. Indian teenagers are using on. They used to use on a uh, like a number of occasions. I think it's a great decision to ban them because these apps were not. uh just a threat to the security of india but also these apps were a threat to the economic security of india so when i say that i basically want to say that uh see uh these apps had a though they are trying to clear the air around it by saying that no we do not have to give data to our uh, chinese government but if you look at china's military civil fusion strategy so for the short form of uh, military civil fusion strategy would be ncf i would be referring it to ncf from now onwards so as part of the ncf strategy all these apps were owned by uh, people who are quite close to the chinese communist party and they are not just close to the chinese communist party but there also an understanding in china that all these apps when they are used in democratic countries like india they should take data and probably you know give and supply this data on demand to the chinese government and a number of papers you know so many scholars have attempted research on this and a number of papers have also come that i personally uh, gone through i've read those work and uh, then i have also engaged with you know the kind of country that china is china is an authoritarian country so these apps were causing a threat to our national security but when i say there also a threat to the economic security i want to point out to the fact that india is a huge country and we also have a very healthy uh, smartphone uh ecosystem in our country and a very uh, healthy uh, all this um, app or what you call it startup ecosystem in our country okay. so you know our youngsters are also working on all these apps uh, we have so many new technologies coming up we have all these youngsters experimenting with so i talk to these businessmen and then they tell me that you know in today's day if you have 1 lakh to spare you can get a app for your uh, business also so yeah. there are so many youngsters who are working on that front and despite that you know a country of 1.3 billion um, indians we cannot have options or alternatives or indian alternatives to tiktok or to uh, share it or to um, any other app that you know indian government has banned yeah. so it's kind of an economic opportunity as well that when these apps will not be allowed to enter india then obviously indian 
businessmen, Indian youngsters, Indian startup ecosystem. It will be presented with a new challenge: how to fill this demand, and then this demand will be filled by who else but Indians for themselves. So I think it's a great move. Okay, so how much is China affected by this ban, and like how much loss China has faced? Uh, so it's a very debatable topic because after the ad ban, a lot of people were debating that you know uh, they were skeptics who were saying that no, the loss is not great, and uh, uh, these apps, uh, the revenue that uh, China is getting from all these apps is not quite huge. So and then there was another side which was actually pointing to the economy of how apps work. So if you look at the economy of how apps work. you have to look at other examples such as facebook now facebook has the largest revenue uh, base for facebook is not india but the largest user base for facebook is definitely india so now look at how you know a lot of indians are using facebook and it's the number one uh, india is the number one user base for facebook but then the revenue doesn't match the revenue is really really low facebook is not making that much money from india but can you say that If tomorrow government goes ahead and decides to ban Facebook, won't Facebook be facing a trouble? Won't won't there be losses to Facebook? There would certainly be. Now, how how these losses would be caused? That's what we need to look at. These losses will be caused because whenever a company which is in the internet or whenever a company uh, in this app ecosystem is there, they have to go for market. Uh, they have to go for IPOs. They are also wanting to you know list themselves as market players yeah. and probably sell their shares and all. So when they go ahead and do that. they need to have a con- very huge very large very consistent uh, user base now where does this user base come from india is one of the largest yeah. countries in the world we are the second largest population wise and we are a democratic yeah. country so this user base makes a lot of sense when it comes to capitalization of these uh, companies not just facebook but then tiktok how will they now by dance for example it itself uh, during when, when one of the earlier bans when the Ban was of a temporary nature. It was not of a permanent nature. At that time, ByteDance itself said that the loss to ByteDance will be huge. It was. Uh, it quoted a, a figure that's not right now coming to my mind, but it's quoted close to I think six uh, billion dollars or something. So imagine ByteDance itself went ahead and said that you know the loss to uh, TikTok or the loss to ByteDance, which owns the company TikTok, will be huge. So. you cannot be a skeptic when it comes to a ban in a country like india because india is a huge market for all these uh, applications not just chinese but american as well okay so what more steps are needed to make china economically weak or to tackle china on economic front uh so uh, when you ask me this question which is a good question but then you have to also trace it a little back and then see why do we want to punish china at all You know, uh, if you look at the last uh, few years, China has become a formidable trade partner for India. Our trade yeah. deficit is rising with China, but at the same time, they are also doing great business with China. Okay, so so many things we've been importing from China. So why all of a sudden we want to punish China? Despite India becoming a formidable economic partner with China, despite Indians importing so much from China, despite having this huge trade deficit with China, China is not respecting our sovereignty. China is not respecting our territorial integrity as a nation state as a country our priority definitely lies in our security the first thing that any government wants to deliver on and first thing that you know and the most important thing which can make governments fall and which can make governments rise is national security so if china does not respect our sovereignty and our territorial integrity in that case we have to take some certain steps Now uh, when i talk about national security and territorial integrity 
how far can we use economics as a tool to punish china now india when it comes when compared to china we are literally very very um, i should not be so poor but we are we have a time uh, lag in terms of development when it comes to china so something that china was doing in 1978 we started doing it only a couple of years later probably you know there is a difference of a decade and a half that we have with china china became the factory of the world but what did india become we started importing not just finished goods but we also import imported a lot of components for these finished goods from china you look at any industry you look at air conditioners you look at washing machines you look at finished tv you uh, talk about the festival stuff that we get from china so you talk about uh, even rakhi for rakshabandhan on and for diyas for diwali all these things we import from china so why do we want to punish china the motive is twofold first is national security that we want to use economics as a tool to tell china that hey if you do not behave with us rightly when it comes to our territorial integrity and our national security we will use the economic lever to punish you we might stop importing stuff from you and india is a huge market for china and the second reason which is i think a more important reason because of its long term effect is that indian industry now needs to stand up on its own two feet so because of the covid crisis we saw that all these industries could not get components all these industries could not get finished goods there was a dearth of all these products in the market and these the, the, the prices of these products shot the sky so india because of the make in india program because of the atmanirbhar vision that uh, prime minister narendra modi has outlined i think now indian government has that intent and the willingness to make sure that china is not just punished economically but stuff that we import from china is now made locally so india has to become economically reliant and i think it's a great the fact we are uh, willing to the fact that we are willing to uh, punish china so to say or the fact that we are willing to ban products from china so it, it it's not just outright ban that india does we are a member of the world trade organization so we cannot just completely you know go out and ban uh, product from other countries countries play use their trade policy really smartly when they do this so probably you know increase the custom duty for example with pakistan we increase the duties to 200% yeah. So with China also, I uh, when I uh, do my research, I find that Indian government in the last few years has literally taken a lot of steps. Yeah. It has actively uh, engaged with uh, how to yeah. policy to maybe yeah. reduce or discourage import from China. Okay, so so how can India emerge as a replacement of China in the manufacturing sector? Like what exactly the steps are needed? uh so if you look at the if, uh, steps that we need to take is that first of all we need to make sure uh, that our own businessmen are provided with a healthy business environment so there needs to be a ease of doing business uh then because we are living in an unprecedented crisis right now covid crisis so we need to make sure that uh, this crisis is dealt with and a fiscal stimulus or you know some sort of help is given to the economic sector of the country so that they are able to now get back and produce more and all that will require so see the thing is that uh, till now when china was uh, supplying all these products it was very easy for uh, Indi- indian businessmen to simply import and then use them but now i think there's a advantage here that now when no more these imports can be done 
partly because of the covid crisis partly because the government is on a uh, spree to increase duties on these products yeah. i think yeah. it's a good chance for indian businessmen to experiment to create these components at home to uh, right. and they will definitely become more efficient over time and the cost will be reduced and once we are able to serve our own domestic market then we can get that edge over you know products in the global market yeah. and probably we can become a net exporter so that's how i see it uh for that ease of doing business needs to be provided logistics need yeah. to be uh, made more sound and connectivity needs to be ensured and i think as my personal uh, my research uh, yeah. my personal research agenda or program because of my doctoral project is uh, kind of you know touches upon south asian regional integration so i think even that's a good opportunity we can take okay. uh, we can look at the example of bangladesh how it has diversified its export basket how it is trying to meet its development goal so we can yeah. actually look at all these south asian countries as a partner and you know becoming a self reliant not just india but a self reliant south asia so yeah okay uh, coming back uh, coming to the another topic like uh, recently we have seen a lot of influence of china in the south south china sea so how can india and the other countries tackle this uh, so ritwik when you say that uh, a lot of influence of china in the south china sea that's not just influence basically china is uh, showing you know the worst form of aggression in south china sea and uh, i think when it comes to south china sea uh, it's not a strategic theater which connects directly with india till a few years ago people used to uh, you know talk about why why do we need to look at south china sea you know it's, we are not in the south china sea we should be looking at the indian ocean or we should we need to tackle india uh, china and south uh, south asian region so yeah that makes sense but why all of a sudden south china sea why are we going to talk about south china sea because china is now showing aggression in india's near neighborhood in india's own territory you know ladakh for example so a very strong voice is now coming from our uh, policy makers from uh, from scholars from the think tanks and everyone who uh, follows the debate on uh, india china, china rise of china and india's uh, increasing trouble they say that you know when china comes to your neighborhood when china tries to come and create problems for you you should go ahead and you know uh, play your cards well in south china sea so a few days ago uh, philippines also said that india is now showing interest in navigating in the south china sea region that shows that with in india's own increasing power india is also showing intent to play cards more cards more wisely in the south china sea region and uh, now we look at australia the quad countries so japan australia india and united states so these countries are also taking interest in south china sea so they can probably an alliance to check china us is also showing that uh, interest in india joining it and just uh, i think one or two days ago uh, us clearly said that you know uh, whichever country is taking on china in the south china sea region will have our support we will watch their back yeah so all these things they they really matter so now india should not shy away from looking at south china sea as you know a very distant region or a, as a theater which does not affect it directly but i think a uh, very cognizant of the fact that china is you know creating troubles for india and it's it's trying to um, what do you call it it's trying to restrict india to its own near neighborhood it's trying to restrict india to its own territory that hey we are in ladakh what can you do with us yeah. so i yeah. think that india should now use its cards in south china sea high time that we start doing okay okay so we have seen uh, that that the government of nepal has also openly supported china and criticized india in the public domain so what are the reason what may be the possible reasons behind this and why why is nepal supporting china even after knowing that the fact that the nepal is more or less dependent on india 
so yeah that's actually a very good question ritwij uh, so if you look at how you know uh, international relations work uh, theoretically yeah. speaking nepal definitely is dependent on india uh, yeah. so if you look at nepal's geography nepal's trade relations all these things are yeah. they are quite interlinked with india Uh, Nepal is a landlocked country, and it cannot operate. It cannot do trade with other countries if India does not give it give uh, Nepal the right to trade with other countries. So a lot of Nepalese goods pass through Indian territory. Nepal uses Indian ports for access to the entire world. So it's also a part of the international agreements and international conventions on how you know landlocked countries should operate. So I, we should not be looking at it as a charity that India is doing. So yeah. we operate in a pretty civilized world, you know, where if our neighbor is landlocked, we ought to, you know, support them, help them, because that that's what civilized countries do. Uh, yeah. All that said, all that said, all that well accepted. One thing that you need to look at is what kind of government is right now in power in Nepal. Yes. So Nepal, we know that you know, even if China is giving access to Nepal to its ports, even if there is a Chinese. Uh, uh there, there was a agreement there was there was a decision to allow nepal to use chinese ports for nepalese trade but even then you know china cannot skirt around the issue china cannot compensate for the fact that all these ports will not mean anything because these ports are quite far from nepal yeah. on an average uh, distance they are 3000 to 4000 km away whereas the nearest a port for uh, nepal in india is just 700 800 kilometers away and yeah. in trade every kilometer counts in trade every kilometer means extra cost so obviously you know when you know that this this is the cost factor will always the cost factor and the geographical reality will always supersede whatever interests or whatever uh, uh, bribery so just to so to say yeah. whatever china offers to nepal we know that so it's not it's never going to happen but still despite of that you know you see a map is being published you see prime minister kp oli giving quite uh, not very nice he's not saying very nice things about india saying quite negative things like you know yeah. ram was not born in india ram was and then his own foreign minister comes uh, comes on board and then he explains he clarifies no this is not what the prime minister meant to say so what what what's what's the reason Uh, prime minister kp oli himself is facing troubles political troubles so he's trying to stay in power uh, and it's a combined communist uh, party that they have yeah. made uh, this was an agreement which was reached because of china's interference in nepal and now this agreement seems to be breaking now this peace is seems this peace seems uh, it seems to be breaking So now, what is China doing? China is actively playing the role in making sure that all the communists they stay together. And yeah. KP only, in order to is trying to say all these things about India so that he can make sure that all his enemies are silenced. Enemies within different parties who now want to become prime minister or who now want to be very challenged. So he is trying to make sure that all these statements do not take. Uh, they do not. Challenge him. I do not ask him to, you know, give up on power. He is also trying to make sure that he gains popular Nepalese support. He is trying yeah. to attract Nepalese by saying uh, not so nice things about India, so that also Nepalese say that, oh wow. So when the map is released, definitely we could see that, you know, even Manisha Koirala, who is a yeah. uh, who comes from a political family in Nepal, and she has she has been a very popular Bollywood actress. Bollywood. So 
yeah so even she appreciated it she got, she went on the record and she said oh wow this is so nice and i'm so proud that nepal is finally coming on its own we have a map and we are publishing this map and we are claiming the territories that were our own and so on so yeah. when the map was released this this euphoria this enthusiasm was there in the nepalese people uh, but when uh, this kpoli company overplayed the entire hit india card and with because of which you know there are now troubling news coming from nepal that people are not taking it too well that you know you should not rub india the wrong way because they also understand that you know india is important to sustain and survival development and growth so that that's the most important thing but yeah just to sum up the, my answer to your question uh, kpoli is definitely using india as a political card he's playing a nationalist card to save his own uh, fortunes in nepal Okay, so ma'am, I will conclude by asking that how to cha- how to tackle China's uh, expansionism theory. Like, uh, China is expanding its territory day by day. It's claiming the territory of Russia. It's claiming the territory of uh, Tibet and all of that. Yeah, so, so when you say tackle- how to tackle China's expansionist theory, it's, it's, unfortunately, it's, it's not just theory. It's practical. You know, you every day you read the newspaper, you go through the newspaper, and you see how many uh, territorial claims is China making. uh you look at hong kong then you look at tibet uh tibet is a very old story but you know every single day we we uh, you know we as indians living in new delhi can see tibetans you know right away we can see that how their right to feel uh, independent their right to have their own voice has been taken away their lands have been taken away so it's something that that's very very much troubling uh say expansionism is a very natural uh, reaction of any rising power Yeah. So in international relations, we all the time study about you know when when Britain was rising, it it went on a colonizing spree. We had India itself became a colony for the British. Uh, when U U S was rising, when U S and U S is still you know we look at U S as a uh, as the largest great power or whatever the terminology be for that. So yeah. So every rising country does that. The more power you get, the more your interests become. It's quite natural, you know. When we become fat, what do we do? We occupy more territory, probably, you know. So it's a it's a natural phenomenon. Whoever is rising will definitely be showing an expansionist uh, tendency. Uh, to control that, you know, there's a uh, there's something very and then as natural it is to expand, as natural it is to control that expansion. So we talk about balance of power. We look at how you know different countries can make coalitions and check China. That you know, if you do something in Ladakh, then there will definitely be repercussions. If you do something in uh, Tibet, and it has already done a lot in Tibet, but yeah, retrospectively speaking, that if you do something in any other territory, for even in the Hong Kong question, U.S. has withdrawn a number of special privileges that uh, Hong Kong used to get just because China is now uh, trying to make its presence felt more strongly in Hong Kong. So yeah. I think these these are the things that you know all these countries should be doing, uh, controlling or challenging or containing an ex- expansionist power is not something that's new to the world. There has been a Germany before. Uh, Germany also had expansionist tendency, and then uh, so you 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 must have read about the world wars that have taken place. So uh, yeah, by any means you know militarily, strategically, uh, politically, using soft power, whichever means. There are so many you know, tools available in the toolbox. So China's expansionist attitude, China's expansionist tendency needs to be watched. Okay, okay. Thank you very much, ma'am, for coming, and thank you very much, ma'am, for taking out the time. Uh, thank you so much. Sir. Thank you, ma'am. Bye.